Standby film. Five, Standby music. Four, Standby now. Three, two, one. And fade out. The Bellagio, the Mirage, and the MGM Grand. You're a wizard, Harry. Mike Wazowski. Open your eyes. Now tell me, where are the others? Eat me! King Kong ain't got on me! What about second breakfast? Why not? Why can't I? How can we be expected to teach children to learn how to read if they can't even fit inside the building? Welcome, one and all, to another episode of 20 Years, 4 Beers, a show dedicated to rewatching popular movies from two decades ago while enjoying four modern beers. My name is Steve, and this is my big brother, Tim, and we are coming to you from just outside Minneapolis, Minnesota. On this episode... We venture back into the animated genre after our Shrek mini-pod from last <laughs> last time around. And this will be one of a few kids' movies we're covering this year, actually. I was a little surprised by that. Or family films. Maybe not kids' yeah. films. Family films. And we, we will be re-watching 2001's absolute classic of a film, Masterpiece. I would say, Monsters, Inc. So as with most... As with... The mini pod of Shrek. Uh, if you have been a child, had a child, or been in proximity <laughs> of a child in the last twenty years, uh, I would say you've probably seen this film. Absolutely. Even those who haven't have probably seen this film. As a refresher, though, Monsters Inc. follows Mike and Sully, who live in a world where the power is generated by gathering the screams of children. The two work on the scare team. And through a series of events, find themselves in the protection of a young girl nicknamed Boo. The two discover that the world they thought they knew is not what it seemed, and must fight to change it and get Boo back to her home. It is directed by Pete Doctor, David Silverman, and Lee Unkrich. Written by Andrew Stanton and Daniel Gerson, along with lots of story credits. Starring John Goodman, Billy Crystal, Steve Buscemi, James Coburn, and Jennifer Tilly. Whew! There's a lot. So before we dive Good in, job. any initial memories on Monsters, Inc. at all? I remember seeing this in college hmm. at the small theater in town. Um, because by this time, this is what, Pixar's fourth movie, I think it was? Like Sounds right. Yeah. Two they... Toy Stories and Bugs Life. Mm-hmm. And I felt like from an... I mean, we always loved animation growing up. And as we grew, up, grew older, still loved it. But it was like, all right, let's go check this out. Because Pixar, by that point, had had uh, obviously a very good run. Yeah. In terms of three for three. Yeah. A fantastic studio. Um, so, okay. Yeah. We got to check this out. And I just remember loving it, just being floored by the creativity. <laughs> and I still remember seeing it. Yeah. It, it's one of the things I can, the, how they rendered Sully's fur mm-hmm. was shocking. Yeah. At the it made time. news. Yep. Yeah. It just was incredible. Um, and the connection and the story and it was just, yeah, I loved it. Loved it. So I remember that. How about you? I do probably have the same thing, but not, I don't necessarily remember it in the theater, but I, I'm sure I saw it a few times. And, sure. Um, yeah, I think I do remember this being probably the film that I realized that Pixar, because yeah. at this time it was Pixar yeah, that Disney did not own them; they were their distributor. But this yeah. is when I realized that Pixar was kind of they were they were going to release 
good stuff across the board. Yeah, they. You know what I mean? It was the they were four for four at this point, and they were just getting better. Yep. Um. So I think I that's what I remember most is sort of this understanding of like, no, this is this movie studio is going to be legit. Yes. Uh, so our first segment then, you know, naturally coming from a family film about monsters <laughs> into booze, our first segment is booze. going to be drinking buddies. Come on, not my fucking beer. Where Tim takes us through our four beers or drinking buddies that accompany us through the film. We are recording this on our sister's birthday, April 9th. So happy birthday, Andrea. Happy birthday. Love you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And we decided to pick beers that we think she potentially would like. Or maybe has had. Yes. Depends. Tim took this. Uh, So no IPAs this episode. There is no IPA. I know. Um, So Tim, what are or who are our drinking buddies that we think Andrea might like? Yes. Our theme this week is less about the movie, but uh, in honor of this wonderful day momentous occasion exactly right. um not when the civil war was ended Mm-mm. long ago the signing of that treaty. no um mm-hmm. no andre's birthday so as well as serendipitous for watching a movie about someone terrorizing younger kids oh, so the worst we are starting off with a sour which i know she hmm. likes from Dr- junkyard brewing out of moorhead their play it cool dragon fruit pineapple sour then we're going to move into Probably her favorite beer of all time. I would think so. Uh, Moose Drool Brown Ale from Big Sky Brewing out of Montana. Montana. And then here from the Minnesota area, uh, from Duluth, their Wild State Cidery. It's our first cider that we're going to have. Yeah, it's our first cider. Yep. Yeah, (laughs) but it seems like a bit of a stretch, but we'll allow it. Um, They're a raspberry. It's on untapped. We can drink it. That's true. That's true. We can do that. There you go. Raspberry Hibiscus Cider. Hmm. And then for our double theme beer, our monster of a beer we're mm. going with. Monster. <laughs> also serendipitous because it's from San Diego where oh, they right. reside. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah. There you go. Well Ale Smith Brewing Company. They're a Speedway Stout, Imperial Stout brewed. It's a special release with espresso and Madagascar vanilla, 12%. So that's our beast of a beer at the end. It's the monster. The monster. So, yes, that's our theme of... Uh, Things that she hopefully and I think in the past has enjoyed. Yep. Uh, so that brings us actually to our next segment, which is the social network. If you guys were the inventors of Facebook, you'd have invented Facebook. Our look back at the reviews or reactions from the time. Potentially both good and bad. I don't think there's going to be bad. So I'm sure I didn't even look for any. So Tim's going to look at our social network. What did we see for some reviews on this? Yeah, they were hard to find. Uh, <laughs> IMDb rating is 8.1 out of 10, which so far the movies we've reviewed, that's, that's one of the highest. That's got to be one of the highest, yep. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone, 5 out of 5 stars. <laughs> uh, the directors keep the fun coming, but it's the Pixar animators who keep grown-ups as riveted as the kids with visual marvels that dazzle and delight. <laughs> Big man Roger uh, Ebert, yep. three out of four stars, saying the film is cheerful, high energy fun, and like the other Pixar movies, has a running supply of gags and references aimed at grown-ups. My favorite one was from Empire Magazine, hmm. which said, the film is brighter and more exuberant than Shrek. This would be a worthy winner of the first animation Oscar. Mm. If only. Yes. Oh, Empire. Foreshadowing. So close. Too bad Empire didn't have a vote. I know. Uh, Speaking of Academy Awards that year, uh, it was up for four nominations, Mm -hmm. uh, or nominated four times. 
Best sound editing. Yeah. Best original score by the classic Randy Newman. Randy Newman. Show up, people. (laughs) Best original song by Randy Newman. Mm -hmm. Ultimately won that category after being nominated 14 times prior to this movie. I do remember this actually thinking, come on, man. Please get one. Yeah, like, this was not the one he should have won for, but yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then, as we talked about in the mini pod with Shrek, but we'll outline here, no. for the first ever Best Animated Feature category in the Oscars, uh, it was nominated that year. And as we've talked about uh, for many times, losing to Shrek no. that year. So that's the social network. Overall, very highly reviewed sure. and positive uh, experience for moviegoers. All right, well, thank you. So we are actually, I think, going to watch the film. And yeah, I think that's where we're at. So it's an hour and a half long. We're gonna yeah, burn through our beers. We're, we're gonna have to really burn through our beers. So hopefully, you know, the eyes aren't too glossed over when we come back. <laughs> uh, released in two thousand one by Disney and Pixar. Please take time to watch along with us if you can, and enjoy Monsters Inc. Mike, this isn't Boo's door. Boo, what's Boo? That's what I decided to call her. Is there a problem? Sorry, you're not supposed to name it. Once you name it, you start getting attached to it. Now put that thing back where it came from, or so help me! Oh, hi! We're rehearsing uh, a scene for the upcoming company play called uh, Put That Thing Back Where It Came From, or So Help Me! <laughs> it's a musical! Yeah, put that thing back where it came from, or so help me! So help me, so help me, and <laughs> I'm watching you, Wazowski. Always watching. Welcome back to 20 Years, 4 Beers, where we have just finished Monsters, Inc., and I have just dried my tears. I, I saw you. I was like, yes. Every time, man. Through no, no, my, now Tim is not the only one. Through my tears, Every time. I was watching you cry your tears. So as usual, we jump immediately into our reaction segment, which we call High Fidelity. Top five side ones. Track ones. Where Tim and I discuss our top five takeaways or reactions from rewatching Monsters, Inc. So I... Yeah, I always knew that the whole story of having humor be more powerful than fear was always a pretty unsubtle message from this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but watching it again, and I haven't seen it in a good five years probably, hmm. um, I'm just more amazed by the execution of the idea of like the world creation, the scare floor, hmm. like Bigfoot, <laughs> etc. Like they're banished monsters. Like the the creativity in this movie, while I always loved Toy Story and you know even A Bug's Life, this I don't know I just stood out to me of having it be this cr- crazy surreal world, and yet the creativity and the attention to detail is just unreal in this. Mm. I I love like the story was great, but the execution of it I was more impacted by now than I remember twenty years ago. Yeah, I mean, the attention to detail is one thing I had, too. I think it really separates it. I think Actually, this is in general, but the attention to detail for Pixar movies in general from other studios, um, yeah, I I don't... I know it's easier with animation, I suppose, because you don't have, like, you don't have continuity. You don't have to have somebody on set who's like, this was here and this was here. So I, I do see some of that. But... Yeah, I, I feel like it's not just the Easter eggs they have, which are yeah. uh, all over Boo's room. Um, the names of buildings, items, you know, like ingredients <laughs> on the uh, cereal, I think have like tentacles and 
Like if you look closely on the oh sure the cereal box, like uh, just the attention to detail all the way down, yes. um, all the way to uh, this is more of the writing I suppose. But when you, when Randall's like you one eyed cretin, where is it, you little one eyed cretin? Okay, first of all, it's creep. If you're gonna threaten me, do it properly. And <laughs> and Mike's first like, off, first off, it's cretin. If you're gonna insult me, do it right. <laughs> like just it's just. I, I like that part of it, of just the um, that attention to detail. Yes. I also had that on mine. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll go next, I suppose. Right. But the the number one thing that stood out to me, and I thought of it the very beginning, and I was like, wait, is this true? And as I was thinking about it, it did not occur to me ever that the only real-life scare we see in this entire movie, we hear yeah. scares... True. Right? And then you see the um, simulation scare, mm-hmm. but the only real-life actual child we see scare is Boo at towards the end when yeah. Sully scares her for the first time. Yes. And it, I was like, brilliant writing. They could have shown a bunch of kids getting scared and it would have normalized it, but yeah. by waiting and holding off and having Boo be scared, and that's the first and only real human child we see get scared hmm. in this entire thing. I was like, that is an amazing detail that has to have been chosen to really bring out, like it hits home. Oh, it's so heartbreaking. Right. When you see that yes. Sully sees himself for the first time and it just absolutely crushes him. Yes. And it crushes the audience because you see Boo and you've really you know yes. come to care for this girl. Yes. And it, it, if they had scared a bunch of kids up to then it might have normalized it more. It still could have hit it, hit sure. home. But I was like, you never see a human child get scared except for Boo in that moment. It's almost like the Jaws effect. Yeah, absolutely. Of like, yeah. it's the world is based upon an ever-present scaring thing for it to be a power source. And so it's it's just how the world exists, and yet you never see it. Mm-mm. And then when you do, it's hugely impactful. Yeah. Where you're just like, oh, God. And she is so impacted by this creature that she's come to love mm-hmm. and sees the protector and humorous and just a wonderful thing. Yeah. And the scaring of it. Yeah. That's I, yeah, <laughs> it's bait and switch. Yeah, it's off just... of the detail part, too. But my number one thing was that. I just was like, okay. I like that. That's good. Oh, that's oh. my second one, technically. Oh, gosh. And then when it comes, like, Randy Newman's simple piano score yep. there. Oh, God. Yep. He's great. Um, so that second one tied to that was, I love this movie. It has a great, solid foundation of setting up this cool, creative world. Like I said, the execution. And then once Boo comes in from the human world into Monstropolis... Man, it takes off. Mm-hmm. It is just nonstop action mm-hmm. and intrigue, and it just hilarious and touching and moving. It just is this uh, catalyst for the entire movie that doesn't stop moving. And it's like must be what a day or whatever, like kind of coming into play. I assume in Monstropolis's day, because if in the real world it's a day, <laughs> the fact that Boo's parents aren't freaking yeah, out when she comes back out. is yeah, but. <laughs> Um, aside from that, I assume there's some sort of time vortex thing that they can just go back, but unaddressed. Yes. It's the unanswered question. But yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's over a day. I just, it, uh, I remember watching that, like, even the beginning, I was like, yeah, okay. But once Boo comes in, man, it just moves along. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. That's my second one. Sure. Let that be a lesson to you. When kids come along, life gets crazy. Things get moving. (laughs) My life is totally set and normal. You have a kid. Ah! 
Uh, I have literally nothing I can play off of that. No, so. I was like, that's good. My, uh, we talked a bit about it in Shrek in the voice talent side. Sure. And how it was, uh, Eddie Murphy is outstanding in mm-hmm. that. And, you know, mm-hmm. we talked about that. But one thing I, every time I watch a Pixar film and it stands out in this too, we know who Billy Crystal and Jack Goodman are, like, but they're not A-listers. No. You know, James Coburn, yeah, he's an Oscar winner, but nobody would even be able to tell you what movie it was for, except me. But, like, <laughs> the... Well, affliction for those yes, who are like, wondering. Nope. But the um they're not A list actors and, and we talked about it a little bit of outside of Tim Allen and Tom Hanks in the Toy Story films, excuse me, they go out of the way to find the right voice, not necessarily the right name. Totally. And this is a, a I just watch it and there is not a voice along the way. That is out of place, and I just keep thinking: Is there a voice out of place in any Pixar film? No, and I don't think there is. They are perfect at that, at finding the right voice for the right character. So when I crapped on casting directors last time with Shrek, whoever the casting directors are for the Pixar films, seem to be know like they know what they're doing. I just, this is they're perfect. The voices are perfect in this. Exactly, and that was one of my points too. So I'll pick it back after that. It's Boom. Like, um, the voice work of Crystal and Goodman. Yeah, is. Yeah, you've you know these actors outside of these movies, obviously, and yet, just so funny watching Shrek recently, you see Mike Myers doing an accent, mm-hmm. like when Shrek is talking, you can see him, or even Cameron Diaz as Fiona, like you can see Cameron Diaz and Eddie Murphy, like you it lends itself well to the acting or the voice work, but this is if such I a may, different level with Shrek. It makes sense for that story. It wasn't sure they didn't need the the voices to match a character. They were fine matching the characters to the voice. Yes, almost. Like Whereas the exactly, Pixar is unparalleled yeah. in their ability yeah. to forget about the name, marquee or not, and just find what works best for the character. And this exemplifies that even more so than the ones they've had before. Where, um, I mean, think about Bugs Life, Dave Foley. Who the heck, like, at the time, like, no one knows Dave Foley. Yeah, yeah. Out to, like, certain circles. Like, but this, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah, news yeah, radio. But, news radio. Yeah, and Boys yeah, in the Hall. But, like, oh, it's, yeah. it's all good. But, like, our kids in the Hall. But, um, yes, this, like, you can just see the characters. Jennifer Tilly. All these, like, yeah. tiny things. Steve Buscemi. Fantastic. Yeah. At these characters. And so, yes, Pixar just keeps on nailing it when it comes to having the right pairing of voice to the character and the hilarity and yet the touching moments, like the actors are really, really good Mm -hmm. at portraying the range of emotions. So yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. That's my third one. Yes. Ooh, me too. Do you want to go to four? I love the fact that I didn't quite appreciate it. Like thinking through a few times I've seen this, that Boo overcomes her fear of Randall. Yeah. I think of the, these always movies of like, the stereotype of like a female character in distress and is saved by some male mm-hmm. character in some sort. And while she's sure. protected and, you know, you know, kept safe, if you will, I didn't quite appreciate when I first saw this, but maybe just didn't quite put it together when I was watching again. Like, yeah, she overcomes that fear for mm-hmm. Randall and protects Sully, saves him from being injured or whatever mm. might have happened. I love that feature, that detail of she now is not afraid anymore. Mm-hmm. And while it's something where it's like, yeah, not just Randall, but anything that she could now overcome. So yeah, I just, mm. 
Maybe it's being a girl dad, but yeah, it's uh, I love that piece. I'm just like, damn right, she's not afraid of you, you stupid. Anyway, so I love that. Piece. I did, I, yeah. I was gonna say that's that's a girl dad moment right yeah. there. Yeah, yours was a lot deeper than mine. So oh, I try. Girl dad. Yep. I hashtag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was surprised there was no writing nom for this. I think right. Yeah, I, I think yes. that. Um, I looked it up, and I'd be hard pressed to say that this is better written than four of the five nominees in original screenplay. So, but I would say it's probably better than another, but I understand why, but it was, um, Gosford Park, which won the Oscar Memento, of course, uh, Royal Tenenbaums and Amelie, and then, uh, Monsters Ball, which I don't love Monsters Ball as a film, but it is a well-written film, you know, so, so, I mean, I can kind of understand why. I also think that, um, you, you know, had this maybe come out a few years later, because a lot of Pixar films have gotten nominated for screenplays. Yeah. Well, even Shrek got nominated for Adapted. Yeah, yep. So it's like, <clears> really? <throat> but it, this wasn't Adapted. I agree. But and so that the the, com- the competition might not have been as good. That's true. So I was, but I was surprised. Yes. In the, the depth of character, the nuance, all of the, the, the inside jokes and, yes. and everything. There's just a ton of it. The banter back and forth. Yes. Um, I was really surprised that yeah. there was no writing nom. I was thinking of watching it today. Really? Yep. No writing nom? Really? That's... It's four for me. Uh, my last one, we kind of mentioned it before. That's my fifth one coming up. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Counting. Not my strong suit. <laughs> top five. Uh, truly, the animation for this is just incredible. Mm-hmm. still holds up, but while overall, some of like, the monsters are... Do kind of have like a plasticky yeah, type of look, absolutely. Yep. Um, where I know they just didn't quite have put the effort into that. I think at the time, um, Sully's hair mm-hmm. when they are banished to the Himalayan mountains, and he's just the wind blowing through it, but then coming down the mountain and then crashes, and the wind and the snow mm. is just unreal. Yeah, how so beautiful. Up, it is. Years later. Yes, yep. it's just kudos to Pixar and capitalizing on like you, know, you think about this time um Gollum for Lord of mm-hmm. the Rings which we'll watch eventually all these kind of live action elements coming together so the computer graphics were just exploding but it totally is incredible what mm-hmm. they were able to do with Sully so yeah loved it I I agree and and my my last point was that um we again we talked about it last time and we did this on purpose is kind of going Shrek into Monsters Inc. Because yep. it was fresh in our minds then. Yep. Um, yeah, the Pixar versus DreamWorks or of any other animated studio is um, that debate is over whenever yeah. you watch a yeah. Pixar film in comparison with the other films of the same time. Yep. You know, this versus Shrek, the animation is so much better. Uh, and in Shrek's defense, it wasn't about the animation. Like no. they, they needed it to be a certain way, but beyond that, it wasn't about like the the individual hairs, and I guess all the hours and hours that it took to render uh, Sully's hair, hair, that it just took, it was an amazing amount of time. Yeah. And, but that's not what Shrek was about. So, I mean, in fairness to them, that's not, it wasn't about that. But we talked the last time about how, you know, this came out in 2001, and so did Shrek, and then nine years later, Toy Story 3 and How to Train Your Dragon 1 came out. Yeah. And how, Pixar just leaps and bounds, gets better and better and better every time. 
And it took a better part of a decade for DreamWorks to even start getting better because the yep. animation's about the same. Yep. So I agree with the plasticky part and all that stuff. But my, my point was that when you watch something like this, the Pixar and DreamWorks, that it's just over. Yes. Pixar has more natural humor. It's easily better storylines, more heart to yep. all of their stories. Yes. Um, the only exception to that, too, is eventually the How to Train Your Dragon series does gain heart. Yes. It's the only real exception to Pixar versus other animation studios, in my yes. opinion. Like, how do you think about this? I was, like, watching you be like, how do you sit in a room and think about, like, here's the premise of, you know, monsters coming out of a door for kids, and it's scary, well, and it's the powers of the city, and then it flows from there, and then you think, oh, well, it's going to be kind of this almost Chinatown type of situation of, like, no, it's actually not what you think it is. It's a big kind of conspiracy of sorts to get the screen machine. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it unpacks these things that are just, oh, interesting to begin with. And it gets kind of serious and interesting. Yeah, I, kudos, man. The writing is fantastic. Before we move on, just off of that, it is interesting that when they initially had come up with a story, it was going to be an, an, it was supposed to be an older man who encounters the monsters of his youth. Like, that scared him as a kid. And he ends up getting brought into that world. That Like, the initial huh. sort of, like, storylines. And how this happens is... And I think the best ones... Especially with, with animated movies. That's why there's so many writers. Huh. Is you, you kind of come up with an idea. And there's four story credits on this. And then <laughs> yeah. there's two screenplay, you know, like, credits. And, and everyone sort of works together. And somewhere along the way they say, No, this doesn't work with an adult. This is going to be better with a kid. And totally. it's just, it's all a group effort. Um, but even then, you and I, we've talked about this in the past. I'm not sure we come into a room and are able to come up with some of this stuff. Like, <laughs> Good luck. Well, cool. So we have um, our next segment. I think we could likely talk for another hour on this movie. <laughs> just sort of rant. But so instead, we're going to move on to our beer reaction segment, which we have Drinking Buddies. The sequel. Let's get weird. And Tim's going to kind of walk us through and we will give you our ratings and our thoughts. What a great theme that we chose. And in sure. this movie, we laughed right away. <laughs> Why did Mike Wazowski or whatever. Wazowski. Wazowski and Celia go out to dinner. Celia's birthday. Celia's birthday. birthday. We were just like, oh my gosh. Where'd he go, schmoopsie poo? Serendipity. So again, happy birthday to Andrea. Happy birthday. We started with... Junkyard Brewing out of Moorhead, Minnesota. Their Play It Cool Dragon Fruit Pineapple Sour. Uh, you could have probably just called this a Dragon Fruit Sour. I didn't get any pineapple. <laughs> I forgot there's Dragon Fruit. We we got to find beers or sours that don't have Dragon Fruit. And it was it. just pink, I think, yeah. because of Dragon Fruit. But if you, had you said this was a regular sour, that's just pink, I would have said, yep. But uh, remember like the last beer we had the draw, whatever, like the... Anyway, I said it was really wow. good because the pineapple. Wow, that was yes. amazing. I know. Um, wow, your attention to detail. Dragavapol is Pixar. It was the dragon fruit pineapple. Yeah, from Guava Brewing Project. From right? yes, the Dragavapol. Um, the pineapple was the differentiator. Sure. This had none. I was like, why do you even say I, it is? Like, I didn't even know there was pineapple in it. Again, proving that I don't <laughs> listen to you when we actually record. Yeah, you just because I honestly yeah, you're did not remember. Notes. I was like, oh yeah, there was I, pineapple. Uh, huh. On the label. Sure. Uh, I gave it a three and a half because it was wow. a nice sour, but uh, outside of the color for dragon fruit, um, yeah, calling a pineapple sour was like, eh, really? So, Is it called? It's dragon fruit pineapple, right? It's dragon fruit pineapple sour. Okay. Yeah. I gave it a four. I thought it was good, but I guess 
had I been paying attention earlier, maybe I would have rated it a little less. Active listening. Active, you know. I'm single for a Good reason, Good to know apparently. we sit here, yeah. feet apart, <laughs> hanging out, talking. I'll watch the video back. I'll see. Oh, it's all good. I have four and a five. I, I thought it was good. I mean, it was a it was a fine sour, but yes. I agree with you. And it probably had I known or been thinking, it would be more of a. But also, those are not necessarily flavors that mesh, like no. dragon fruit and pineapple. I don't quite no. understand. It just tells me that a lot of these small breweries probably are like, well, what what do we have extra lying around? Like, well, we can't just make another dragon fruit sour. Screw it. We got some pineapple. Toss it in. Well, it's it's not enough to really taste the flavor. I don't care. Just throw it on the label. Yep, put a label. Make it different. These idiots will buy it. Play it cool, man. Play it cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I had for it. I had for it. That's good. Then we had uh, Moose Drool Brown Ale from Big Sky Brewing. Hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel bad that we talked about it in honor of our sister, but... Um, and how much we don't like it? It's just... It's a 3.25 for me. Yeah. Like, it's nice. I beg you to find a different brown than this. I know. I actually, like we joked, I didn't buy a six. Give me a different brown. I didn't buy a six pack first to enjoy. I just bought two from the specialty area because I'm like, let's just have the two beers and not have any more because I'm not going to drink anymore. So, yes. No. Sorry, Andrea. Yeah. Happy you like it. Yeah. Your favorite beer sucks. But beyond that, it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. There's no Newcastle. But yeah. Even then, doesn't Newcastle have like fish scales in it or something like that? God forbid. Probably. Still made it better than Moose Girl. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I had a 325. It was yeah, fine. There are way better browns out there. Yep. But here we are. Here we in are. honor of our sister, we love you. Happy birthday. Yeah. yeah. It's a resounding meh. And then we had the Wild State Cidery out of Duluth, Minnesota, the Raspberry Hibiscus Cider. Hmm. Um, I had a three and a half for this. Immediately, wow. I'm not a big cider guy. They all kind of taste like juice to me. <laughs> but um, I love my sour beers, but not my ciders. I told you the pineapple before was great, but uh, yeah, it's fine. It's I, I actually like Wild State. I've been oh, a few yeah. times, but um, they've got better stuff than this. But it was it was fine. Yeah, was I don't good. always understand the hibiscus desire yeah. that people have in sours and and ciders. It's not my like this is a thing, like flower. In this. Yeah, and just make a raspberry cider. I don't really understand. I had three seven five. Mm-hmm. Initially, I, I was like, "Oh, this has a good flavor," and it was almost. Eventually, it almost got artificially sweet. It didn't quite work for me, so mm-hmm. it definitely it lowered. So I had three seven five. Uh, probably won't be our only cider, but we will rarely have ciders. Yeah. Then we ended with, uh, and this is the first movie that we kind of had to start the beer in the credits. Yeah. <laughs> because ninety minutes long. It's a, it's a quick movie. Yeah. So uh, the Ale Smith. Speedway Stout, uh, Imperial Stout, their espresso and Madagascar vanilla uh, blend here. Uh, I have a uh, a four mm-hmm. for me. It it it's it's solid. It's good, but I guess I was expecting more of a monstery beer than this. Yeah, it's, it's it's good. The flavors pair well together, but overall, I'm not blown away by it. But it's solid. No, yeah, I mean I like Yale Smith. They're pretty good. I, too, had a four. There's nothing special about it when it comes to having, like you say, you have the vanilla, espresso, um, like a really good, I like those in the stout, but there was nothing about it that you're like, oh, 
Yeah, like, ooh. Right. No. Well, and that's the danger of having, and I know they're tech, they're Alesmith's craft beer, you know, yeah. but they're getting bigger and bigger. And I think that's always the danger of these craft breweries getting bigger. Yeah. Is some of these really big beers get worse and worse. And not that they're bad, but they just seem to, like, their quality gets lesser and lesser because yeah. they have to brew it in more of a bulk yeah. as opposed to more of a sort of smaller batch. Yeah. Um, it's good. So there, there we go. Cool. So there you go, Andrea. Happy birthday. Happy I'm birthday. not sending you a present, but enjoy. This is our present. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so we are actually going to uh, hop over to our Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part de. You're American. Yes. From America. Segment where Tim and I offer up a hot take that may or may not have been there two decades ago, or perhaps a topic that we just want to discuss. Who knows? It's a random, random segment. <laughs> Tim, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, you have a hot shot, hot shot, part two, whatever. I don't like super hot shot, but, yeah. Um, because it's hard to find a hot shot take for this that I guess maybe I haven't seen, but it's more recency bias, perhaps, but. Mm-hmm. I would say the door warehouse sequence when mm-hmm. they come up off the the floor and ride the door out into the where they kind of keep them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember being blown away when I first saw it, like how they executed it, but just the creativity of it. That sequence alone, I feel like is more creative than the entire movie of Shrek. Hmm. And we just watched it. So I get it's kind of like a hate fest on Shrek. But to <laughs> me, like... Having it come in where she laughs, it lights up all the doors. They mm-hmm. can go, the the they go into Paris at one point, which is <laughs> flat in their world, and it comes out and they fall down. Like it, it's hard to explain it. Obviously, like if you haven't seen it, but that sequence alone, the ten minutes of action mm-hmm. and trying to find her door that's been marked with these little flowers on it in this midst of you know, millions of doors, um, I just feel like it's it's compelling, it's interesting, and it's. Uh, more, far more creative in 10 minutes than I felt and engaged, certainly, than the entire thing of Shrek. So that's my hot shot-ish take. Yeah, and um, I guess mine, again, I, I don't know if we're calling them hot shots or whatever, but um, there's not, and people in the industry would take offense to this, I suppose, but there's not a movie studio that cares more about their story than Pixar. Yeah. From inception to delivery. Yep. It is it is all about the story. And even and when Pixar goes wrong, you can tell that maybe they got off track. Cars two is the number one example of that. Yeah. Um Good Dinosaur is okay, it's fine, but yeah. there's there's not much to that story. Their their worst films, which are still better Yes. Than a high portion of other animated films out there. Um, but there is no studio that cares more about their story and like coming back. How, what what story are we telling? How are we telling the yes. story? What are we doing? And how does this feed the story to the end? And what is our game? What is our main theme? And what is all this stuff? And that's why we've talked about it. You talked about, it, I think, with a little bit Marvel. Yeah. Um, but with Christopher Nolan, you were talking about how there's this director I'm always yeah, going to see. Go and, there. Yeah, yes. I will always go opening night if I can and that yep. kind of stuff, uh, pandemic aside. <laughs> totally. And But for, for me, for my money, that's Pixar, is mm-hmm. that if Pixar releases a film, okay, 
Like I loved Soul. It was my favorite so movie good. of last year. Um, I would have happily seen that in theaters. Yep. I was not able to. So again, pandemic aside, we we have this, and yeah, my I guess my hot take is you cannot convince me that another studio cares more about the story. They, they want to make money, but it almost feels like they know if we focus on the story and tell a good story, the money's going to come. Yeah. But we're going to tell a story, and a lot of this is going to be long-lasting. There's almost every Pixar film will be watched for decades to come. Yes. And that's not just because it's an animated film. It's a story. Yes. So it's I, nobody cares more about the story than Pixar. Yeah, I agree. Pixar is, from a branding standpoint, and I love Marvel, but... Pixar is truly the only one where I'm confident I'm going to walk out and have a compelling, enjoyable, moving, potentially tearful experience. Mm -hmm. Like, they're just incredible. Absolutely. Yep. Because of the story. Because they know that, like, the medium is not the issue Mm -hmm. or what draws you in. Yeah. It is a story that compels Mm -hmm. people. I love it. It's good. Well, our final segment, as always, is Quiz Show, where we search for fun, quirky, or even difficult, potentially, trivia nuggets throughout our research. The exciting quiz program, 21. And maybe attempt to stump each other. Do you want to go first? I have a couple. Okay. You can go first. That's fine. um, Some are probably just like, just spit out some information. Some. Some Yeah. um, Speaking of the door warehouse sequence. Mm Mm-hmm. Care to guess how many doors are reportedly stored in the door warehouse? It's like, uh, isn't it? Do they have an exact, is it approximate? Or do you have an exact number? It's a huge number. But yeah, because it's, it's like, like 3.8 million doors or something like oh, that. 36 million. Is it 36? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, per, decimals. Per, for, per former uh, Pixar head, John Lasseter, 36 mm. million doors <laughs> that they had 36? put in. 36? I know. Oh, wow. Not the Harris piece, but that's a Jeez. different question. So, yeah. Yikes. I just love, like, they're sitting here in their animation discussion. How many might there be? Uh, reportedly about 36 million doors. Yeah. Anyway. That's <laughs> just give first. or take. Yeah. Round how many up. doors you want? It's like, how many doors you want? 35 million. Too few. Yep. Too few. That's not Bump accurate it. for the world. Bump it. <laughs> they're going to know. It's They're going to know. It's BS. <laughs> exactly. 36. Yep. Bob Peterson. Do you have a trivia about Bob no. Peterson? Love it. I was like, so Bob Peterson go on. <laughs> is the voice of Roz, of all people. Which does make what? some sense. You would kind of assume right, you would kind of assume it's like a smoky woman or something sure. like that. A little Kathleen Turner, maybe. Um, but no, it's Bob Peterson. I'm watching you, Azaski. Always watching. He's also on the animation department, he was a part of the story. He's just, you know, but a lot of Pixar guys are just random voices along the sure. way. He also voices another character in a future Pixar film. And that character is in a film that was nominated for Best Picture. I'll narrow it down Ooh. to just a couple. What do you mean this? Okay. Just a couple. Uh, That's only two. That's only two because there's oh. only two Pixar films that have been nominated. Okay. It's either Up or Toy Story 3. Yep. Um, so Bob Peterson, the voice of Roz, also voices another key character. Is in it Doug? Up. It is Doug the dog. The dog! Yes! Yep. Yes! Oh, Doug I love that. He goes from Peterson. land. That's it. Squirrel! Squirrel! <laughs> That's right. 
The other day, my son said that actually at a play squirrel. Night. They were playing out in the backyard at <laughs> some friend's house, and the dog goes squirrel, and the kids ran over and was like, "Well, alrighty, yeah." Pixar knows what they're doing. Yeah, who says that? Yeah, exactly. Who says that media doesn't have influence on my child? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, you talked about before with um, the time it took to animate a single frame for this movie because mm. Sully's fur was individually drawn. Ooh, so cool. it reportedly took about 11 to 12 hours for each frame. That's ridiculous. Care to guess how many hairs are on his body? See, I also saw these. Long. Was this the 2.89 million? 2.3 million. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's what it was. <laughs> yep. I got confused between the hairs and the doors. Yeah, I threw you off. As yep. usual. Yep. Roughly 2.3 million. 2.3 Can you imagine the animators years. drawing those individually no. per frame in the wind? Like, I, I'm all about attention to detail as I wax poetic about it, but wow. Like, again. Maybe, just, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Again, you're like. I don't know. One point five million looks a little too fakey to me. Yeah. Like, what? Oh my gosh. That, like, that nope. is amazing. Two point three million. Do you have another one? Uh, I have a couple. Two more. Good God Almighty, man! You can cut them, but no, that's fine. It just proves that somebody pays attention and does research. Well, I have another voice-related one, actually. Let's do it. Uh, do you know the voice of Fungus? <laughs> the guy that took the Fungus is of... Randall's. Assistant. Yeah. He's he, he's Randall's I have Mike was out. No idea. So the voice Randall's. of Fungus is an all time great voice actor. Alan Tudyk? <laughs> Sorry. Too early for him. Too early. Too early. He was in Night's Tale of that year, but he was not famous enough. Alan Tudyk is in the Night's Tale of that That's true. So an all time great voice actor. No idea. He voiced Yoda. Oh my gosh. Why am I drawing it like um, Frank Oz? Yeah. They got Frank Oz for that? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Reportedly, Frank Oz <laughs> also came up with the name Mike Wazowski. Really? Like, they didn't have a name hmm. for him, or it might have been Mike, and they didn't know the last name, and Oz was like, Wazowski. Like, okay. Sold. Sold. Frank. Frank Oz said it. We're going to do it. Keep it in there. Wow. Yeah. That's good. All right. Um, so, Randy Newman, composer and mm-hmm. songwriter. He's been nominated for a total, at this point, 22 Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Nine for original score and 13 for original song. Mm-hmm. Yet he's only won two Oscars, like I mentioned, one for this, for his song, which admittedly a bit of a gimme, as mm-hmm. we heard it. Uh, and the second one was for another Pixar film. Mm-hmm. Can, you name, can you name the other film his song is featured in, which won him this second Academy Award? Toy Story 3. We belong was, together. Uh, we belong together, right? We, we belong. belong together. Yeah. Yeah, I just, it's, if, so he lost, so You've Got a Friend in Me is an iconic yes. song yes. that everybody knows. Yes. And the fact that, he, and he lost because Phil Collins won for Tarzan. Well, that's not that one. Wasn't it? No, Toy Story 2. Oh, that when, was, when she yeah. Loved me. When, when She, she loved, loved Me also, me. there's two. Oh, Thank you. Yes. That's absolutely yes. right. That's what I'm thinking Exactly, of. yes. When She Loved Me mm-hmm. lost You'll Be My Heart from Tarzan. Also would have, yeah, Blame Canada would have been better that year. <laughs> exactly. Then, Ugh. yeah. So, they, I mean, there's, this is, that Randy Newman is the epitome of a makeup award. This is the departed. Yeah. Of Scorsese, it, if you It will. is. Like, it's the epitome of the makeup award. Yes. When She Loved Me is a heartbreaking it's song. incredible. Yeah, it's perfect for the movie. It's a rare, yes. it's a rare winner that's actually in a movie. Yes. Most of the time they're credit songs. Oh, yes. 
terrible. So good. I can't believe that. Thing. I don't have another one. So Last go one I got is uh, Boo is not the character's real name because Sully refers to her as Mary. Mary's nice. Name. Nailed it. Well done. Somebody did some research. Yeah. Do you know the name of the where they got the name? It's the girl. It's the, the girl's the real voice. name, right? Yeah. yeah. But you can only see it briefly in his room when she's showing her drawings. Mm-hmm. It's and Mary. It's Mary at the top. Yeah. I love this portion. Yeah. I love it. Any uh, final thoughts on Monsters, Inc.? It's just so good. Mm-hmm. If, for some reason, if you somehow haven't seen this, <laughs> I just, I'm shocked. Well, I get it. Fine. But just watch it. It's so good for any age. It's so, so good. Love it. Yeah. I don't really have any final thoughts. I just think there's, I like that two grown-ass men drinking beer can watch <laughs> An animated film from 2001 and be totally normal with it. Yes. We're fine. In no way. My confidence is fine. And again, it's awesome. It's great. So our next film is actually yet another family film. We are doing three in a row, kind of, including the Shrek. Uh, Shrek. So we are going to do another franchise starter. Yes. Which I didn't really realize as I thought about it. But I was like, yeah, we had the Fast and the Furious, which yep. we loved. It was awesome. <laughs> And then the best. Ocean's Eleven was a franchise starter, which I didn't yep. really think of it as a franchise That's starter. That's true. But yeah, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone is our next My daughter just finished film. the first book. Oh, it's going to be a thing. Can't wait. Yeah, so oh, that's our next one. I love it. Uh, stay tuned also for our mini pod that will come out, which we are going to be talking about the hugely popular and well-known movie, Blow. <laughs> Everyone's seen Everyone's it. like, wait, what? I uh, can't wait to talk about that. Yes. So that actually brings us to the end of our episode. We want to say thanks for taking some time to listen, for clicking that like or subscribe button on your devices. Follow us on Twitter at years underscore beers and on Facebook or head to 20yearsforbeers.com. This has been 20 Years for Beers. My name is Steve. I'm Tim. And thanks for listening. Thank you. sommelier is like you know what this pair well with yes not just blue cheese creamy blue cheeses yes somebody earned their money on that bs